massive argument for the music team about the songs that they were asking me to sing. I was so angry, uh, I went backstage and I punched a wall. Fear for me stood out straight away. Fear spoke. When I first went down, Fear was looking nice when I went down. That bikini was standing out. And I was just straight away, like, Fear got my attention instantly because of obviously, like I say, she spoke, she was vocal. Uh, a bikini <laughs> I don't think she was like with her partner because obviously I knew there was rumours that when she went in there she was still with her boyfriend and all that carry on I don't think that was the case Reality TV on record the new podcast from Ingram Noble launching June 3rd Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 85 and as per usual my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And this week I am chatting to an absolutely stellar actress who has been named one of the funniest women in Scotland. Please welcome to the podcast, Louise McCarthy. Drama School Dropout No graduation day Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I've had my eye on getting you on the podcast for a while, actually, ever since we met at my um, at my showcase, and you asked me if I was calling Sam a cunt. <laughs> See, always, always the territorial. Uh, I'd say auntie, but I'm not an auntie. I'm a cousin. <laughs> I just feel slightly um, paternal towards Samantha. So, no, Sam's one of the favourite people. That. No. <laughs> No, Sam's one of my favourite people in the world. Like, she was my smoking buddy, and now we've both gave up smoking, so... Well, she gave up? I, she's been... I don't think she's had a fag since, like, February, and I'm on, like, day 12. That's amazing. I didn't know I'm dead proud of her, because I used to take a wee puff. I've quit as well. I think I'm, uh, I don't know, maybe coming up in a year. Oh, it's horrible. I hate it. I just want to eat oh. cigarettes. I know, and you watch... I'll always miss it. I watch everybody and I go, that looks absolutely amazing. Well, I had a fag yesterday, right? It just got to the point where I was like, I need a f and it was fucking disgusting. Because you've had that long off it. It was like, do you know when you you first start smoking and you get that smell of the cigarette and you're just like, oh, yeah. it was horrible. I fucking hated it. I was like, that's yeah. possibly the best thing that could happen, though. Well, that's good, because then maybe you'll go back to it. Whereas I'm the opposite. I have it and go, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> Like that, maybe it's time to start smoking again. Oh, but no, I just need yeah, I can't. It does, it just it's no cool anymore to smoke, is it? I would disagree. <sighs> no, <laughs> but, I really am just trying to convince myself otherwise. Yeah, but talking about Sam, we should probably say uh, at the time of recording, it's currently our birthday. Happy birthday, Sam. I know, I just sent her a wee message this morning. I haven't yet, I was too tired. I woke up and I was like, I'll message her after the podcast. You're a terrible friend, <laughs> yep. Do you know what? Right, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm at peace. Dead caller, that. I can't. That's what it, this is about. Yeah, it, it all is. She is a massive cunt. No, I'm bored. <laughs> um, but what I like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, how did you get into acting, and what was your first ever role? And it doesn't have to be a professional one. We love a good nativity story. Um, mine's is probably slightly more blue than a nativity. Um. I just I had a pal that went to a drama club and she said there was loads of hot boys that went. And I was like, <laughs> all right. 
And she says, why don't you come? And I said, oh, I'm not sure. And she says, well, why don't you come and see my panto? And she was doing it. It was like a, it was like a youth club. And I went to see this panto and this boy called Michael Martin was playing Aladdin. And I was like, he's absolutely beautiful. I'm going to join that club. And so I joined the club. Um, I didn't get Michael Martin. He ended up gay, unfortunately. And um, then just kind of got a, um, he had a great career with Joseph in the West End and all that. I mean, I could have, if only I'd have been as tight, we could have <laughs> been um, a power couple. But um, no, so he knocked me back, but I got the bug for them um, performing. And then I think the first show I did with them was Jesus Christ Superstar. And I split the role of Mary Magdalene with a lassie called Julie Campbell. And uh, she'd sing the first half of the song and I'd sing the second half of the song. I mean, I don't know how confusing that is for yeah. an audience. But, um... <laughs> I'm sure so, you were And then fabulous. from then on, <laughs> I, I don't know. I wasn't, I don't know if I was naturally gifted, I'll be honest. I've got to work really hard with it. And then that was it. And then kind of had a bug for it, but it was all to try and go off with somebody. Do you know, I feel like that's a solid plan. Yeah. And isn't yeah. your, I don't know if your husband or your partner, isn't he a musician? So you kind of did end up getting off with someone. Yeah, he plays bass and I did meet him in a panel. So maybe it was destined. That was my warm up for the main yeah. event. <laughs> um, so I know you ended up going off to Arts Ed and everything, but when when did you make that decision of being like, because I don't think it's an easy decision to sort of make, is it? And be open with that I'm going to be a performer and... There's a lot of, well, why don't you just get a real job? I'm still getting that now. When did you make the decision that this was what you were going to do with your life? Can you remember that? Um, I think, I mean, my parents were a bit the opposite and and I was quite shocked by that because my dad works on all rigs and my mum at the time was um, a home help. So it was very much kind of working class, 90, well, obviously my dad didn't work 95, that's shift work, but very much kind of working class jobs where, you know, you earned your money, you, you made sure you were stable. So when I said, I'm thinking about acting, my dad kind of took the, the complete opposite approach to what I thought. And my dad's a big, big into music. And he was like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. And my sister, she was wanting to be a doctor at the time. And uh, he kind of was like that to my sister. Don't bother being a doctor. No. Why don't you and Louise go and get a couple of guitars? You just could be the Glasgow course. And so <laughs> we were like, we were kind of almost pushed into just do something you love. And my dad said, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. So I suppose when I realised I'd love performing, and the idea of maybe going away to do it, because a lot of my peers, I think it depends who's round about you at the time, and lots of people that were round about me at the time were going to London and going to Mount View and Artsed and Guildford. So I kind of just followed the herd. Of just That's that's the only plan I knew, because I knew people yeah. that had done it. And so when I'd kind of said to mum and dad and stuff, I think I'm going to do it, they were like, go for it. Like, almost the opposite of get a secure my, job my dad <laughs> yeah sorry my dad's like why don't you go to law school and you know get a job that's probably right though no but do you know what i just keep thinking right see one day what? when it happens right and i get the good job and i become james bond or whatever i'll just go back to him and say should i have went to law school should i should i um but there's yeah. nothing better than that 
revenge. Do it, do it, do it, don't do it for them. Do it in spite of them. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. I only have a career in this industry just to fuck with the people that told me I couldn't do it. And there's a joy in that. There's a joy yeah, in definite, fucking Definitely. So when you went to Arts Ed and everything, we're going to come back to that in a second because I love talking about drama school. It's one of my favourite things in the world. When you finished Arts Ed and when you graduated, you ended up very quickly on the West End in Mamma Mia. How did that sort of transpire and what was that sort of feeling like when you're freshly graduated and then you get the phone call to say, yeah, you're, you're going to be on the West End? I don't think, I don't think I'll ever, it's like, I don't know, it's like maybe losing your virginity, you'll never get it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just surreal. I, I couldn't really believe it, to be honest. I, I don't know if it's a Scottish thing as well, you feel undeserving or this shouldn't happen to me, it should happen to other people. So I was just, I remember just being incredibly, incredibly grateful and so excited and just being like, I mean, you train all that time to reach that goal and for somebody to go, here here you go, here's the, the golden ticket, if you like. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, you know I, I've never had it. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I got really excited and, Fuck you know, the rest I love jobs. But it, <laughs> no, not at all. And actually, I've, I've had jobs that I've maybe enjoyed more than Mamma Mia, yeah. so it's not about that. It's, I think it's, You'll never have that first first again. And so yeah. phoning your mum and go, like you say, when you've went to your dad and James Bond, that's the phone call I got to make and go, mm. listen, I bloody, I've done it. Yeah. Somebody thinks I'm not right. So Because <laughs> it's, it's almost like it's a very scary industry to be in. I remember going back to Showcase that we were talking about earlier. I remember our lecturers would be like, Showcase isn't going to change your life. You're not going to get loads of agent offers. And I'd be sat in the corner of the room going, we'll see. We'll see. Yep. I, I don't think you're quite right there. Um, and then, like, I remember Sam, because we're quite close and we had done a scene together. I hope she doesn't mind me talking about this. I'll have to ask her before I edit this episode. She got contacted. Oh, thank you. Um, I loved Showcase. Um, but, yeah, I hope she doesn't mind me talking about this. I'll ask her before I edit it. She got um, contacted by an agent in the show like while we were doing the show she got contacted by an agent and I, I don't really know what happened with it because it was sort of a, do you know when you're trying to be that supportive friend of being like oh that's amazing but you're also like constantly checking your emails and being like where the fuck did she get an email and not me and yeah. I, I remember being really scared after showcase because I kind of have this bit of a false pretense that I'm the dog's bollocks right I know I'm not but I like to tell myself when I'm doing a show because of if you course. don't think you're great, what the fuck's the point? Yeah, and no, I, I see you. I remember just the day after showcase, I was like, oh my God, I've got absolutely nothing. I've got nothing in my inbox. Nobody wants to give me the next role on BBC. And it was really <laughs> fucking scary. And then yeah. I ended up having this argument with an agent because he was an ignorant cunt. And it was just <laughs> talking about like getting to phone like your parents and stuff and getting that first job it's it's quite scary isn't it before you do get that because it's like nothing if, if you're a lawyer really only the only thing you have to kind of do is pass that law exam at the end of the thing yeah but now in this industry it's so down to other people and it's yeah you've got to take a test every time you go for a job yeah and it was like when we were casting the show that we put on I felt so bad rejecting people because it's like especially one of the parts was the part of an 18 year old and I was getting all of these like young people that were coming up and it was their first time ever auditioning for something and 
so fresh out of drama school and then I was like you're shy no I promise I didn't do that <laughs> I didn't say that um but yeah to, bringing it back around to to you because who gives a fuck about me um uh, I do <laughs> I love hearing other people's stuff <laughs> we'll talk about art said oh sorry utterly boring so I'm on, quite happy oh no I think well as you were named one of the funniest women in Scotland I think you may not be telling the truth there um, Don't you know if that's true. I mean, it wasn't me that said it. It wasn't. I'll redirect them to the Daily Record. <laughs> Don't know um, said that. So anyway. when you went to Arts Ed, one of my favourite things to ask, because they're my favourite things in the world, do you have any funny or crazy drama school stories? Because some shit goes down in those rooms that is oh, mad. God, probably, oh... I, I nearly get in big, like a kind of suspension. <laughs> I don't. I, I probably can't name names, but I don't know if you have this right. Everybody in drama school, because everybody leaves home, because I've got too much to say. No, but I've got too much to say to people. Like I'm sometimes too honest, and I've actually got too much to say. So I get pulled in. I wasn't. I wasn't bullying or anything like that. I just kind of like told the truth, and I probably hurt somebody's feelings. Um, and so I don't know if you find this in your drama school, but a lot of people leave home for the first time. They don't really know how to wash their clays or keep, you know, general hygiene at a level that's acceptable when you're very close to other people and yeah. having to do dance routines and lift. And so there was this person, I mean, name no names, that just left their washing in the, the washing machine and wouldn't like take it out. So it smelled like sour milk. So every, I mean, they would wash their clays, but every time they'd come into a, a jazz class, you'd be like, yeah, absolutely stinking. I should wash. <laughs> Do you know, like, see if I leave my clothes in the washing machine for like an hour after they've been washed, I'll just wash them again. Exactly. But some people don't know this and they leave home for the first time and their mammies have done it for them. And so I just take it upon myself to go, listen, your clothes are fucking stinking, by the way. You better get them washed. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'll give with one hand and take with the other. I even offered to say, bring it round and I'll wash it for you. Aye. <laughs> And then he, he, I think he'd went and reported me and says, Louise says I smell. And I was like, well, it does. <laughs> do you know, do you know what's really funny? Um, and this has got nothing to do with the drama school or anything. You really remind me of Johnny McKnight. He, he, he I taught him everything he knows. Oh, I had an audition with Johnny last week and it went terribly. Johnny McKnight, I apologise profusely. <laughs> oh. And I don't, I haven't taught Johnny everything he knows. By the way, he has taught me he's one of the best directors I've ever worked with so it's I'm just like totally your facial direct uh, like your facial expressions and everything there I was like she's really like Johnny McKnight we are really good friends um so maybe like we all mold into one another so I don't think he was too impressed with me what happened do you want to tell me what happened oh, right okay so I asked Sam about my fear of singing right we've had to sing twice in uni both times I've ended up in the toilets crying right because it just instills a panic in me that yeah nothing can it's daunting I didn't just go see it and I hate it even to this day I think it's too exposing it's like taking your clothes off <laughs> yeah I don't want to know nobody wants to see me with naked um, so we had to sing for Johnny McKnight right and I was like right I kind of got to get over myself because it's an audition and you got to do it like even if this just nothing comes of it at least you've done it right so I was like I'm gonna cheat. yeah right so I'm gonna cheat and I was like I'm gonna do Court of King Caraticus by Rolf Harris because it's basically a rap right 
So I go in and I do my monologue that's talking about ketamine and cocaine and pissing in the streets, right? It's from an Anna Jordan. And a pantomime. Yep, right. <laughs> so funny. Right, so I do that and then I do the song and I'm shitting myself. And then Johnny McKnight's like, so you've done a monologue that contained a lot of adult content. What if I'd have had children in the room? You're, you're auditioning for a children's show. And then you do a song by a convicted sex offender. And I was just a bit like, oh, like, do you know when you're actually just sat there and you just want the whole world? This will be the, like, so when you're making somebody goes, have you got a story? This is the story that is comedy gold. So oh. in a way you've gained, you've gained. Oh, I've got so many more stories like that, but. Oh my God. It was like, do you know when you just feel like, oh, I'm a big boy, I'm so professional, like I'm a professional actor now, and then I go in and just things like that happen, and I'm like, I hate my life, I'm going to become an accountant. Well, what I will say is that Johnny McKnight is one of the most unjudgmental, loveliest human beings oh, I've it, ever met. It felt more like advice that he was giving me. It definitely it didn't feel like he was having a go at me or anything. But no, it was and it wasn't like, fucking seen you again or anything. He's not built like that. He's so open and lovely. It was just like, why have I been talking about ketamine and cocaine <laughs> and then singing a sex offender's song in a children's pantomime audition? It was like, need to think about that a little bit more. Yeah, if you'd have thought me, I'd have said, absolutely <laughs> fucking not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like genuinely... You live and you learn. Oh, yeah, I've learned that I'm never doing a singing audition ever fucking again. Oh, yeah, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to feel the fear and do it anyway. And only by doing it do you then get better. Honestly, oh, I promise you. It's, it's, it it's was horrible. Like, I remember coming out well, and I just... You will do more auditions, probably do all that more than I will. So you, Aye, but you know they're, they're not even for fucking real jobs. They're just like wee pretendy ones. That's good. I, 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 you even get the opportunity. We never get the opportunity. We get flung in. Mm. I will say that New College Lanarkshire have been great and we've got so many opportunities out of it and like I, I would thoroughly recommend like I've been to three drama schools now and I would thoroughly yeah. recommend New College Lanarkshire I think what they're doing I just did a job and there was loads of young people say New College Lanarkshire and they were absolutely outstanding mm. And there was young people from other colleges, like if you want, for want of a better word, and they bigger. I don't know what what does that even mean. And honestly, the ones from New Colatlanisha were just absolutely on the ball, great. So the mm. teaching must be excellent. Well, I've always said about New College Lanarkshire because I've been to other institutions where the lecturers are purely academics and look at it from an academic mm. standpoint. All the lecturers yeah. at New College Lanarkshire are working in the industry. That's what you want. Like, Kirsty goes away and she does, um, oh, what the fuck's that theatre company called? Movement, Frantic Assembly. Um, she went away with Frantic Assembly for, like, three weeks, and Amanda has worked all her life, and Ian was the artistic director of Pitlockery, and, like, yeah. these people know what they're looking for. They've, like, already gathered a career for themselves anyway. Yeah. And that information is gold dust, I think, yeah. when you're coming at the school, like, that's... And, and also you learn more in the job so if you've got teachers that are taking you through a job scenario then mm. you're going to come out on top as opposed to an academic course and just even the people they know like Gordon Barr from Barden the Botanic he oh, random, love Gordon. randomly just come in and went we're going to do an audition for Barden the Botanic and just show them what you can do and like it's just he's great I, see oh, if you I get to work with him jump at it Gordon Especially Barr please give me yeah. a job I love Shakespeare <laughs> Shakespeare is my shit 
like Shakespeare is what I would love to do as an actor. Like, and get write to him and get to see him because he knows Shakespeare like nobody else I know. And I did. I was terrified it because I got a voice for me the hell, and I was like, "Well, I can't do Shakespeare." And no, he totally believed in me. And actually, now I absolutely love it, and would jump yeah. at the chance. And I have little to no fear now about it. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about the first thing that I became aware of you in, and this was, I've got to admit, I'm very ignorant. It's Sam that has introduced me to everything. She's out here fucking doing that. Um, and it's the dolls that you do with Gail Telfer Stevens, the, um, yes. the cabaret act where you've been hailed as the funniest women in Scotland. How did, <laughs> how did that come about? Like, what made you want to start that? And how, what was the idea process like? It was a combination of two things. Very simply, we had no money and we had no jobs. Fun. And so it, it kind of came at a time. I mean, now it's really um, it, it, rife. Loads of people are making their own work and writing for themselves and producing. Yeah. But at that time, there wasn't many kicking about. It was probably maybe the start of that kind of trend, if you like. And we just literally, we could, I couldn't get a job. I was really struggling. I'd done mentioned week for National Theatre and then it all went and I really thought, oh, that's it. I've got my foot in the door. Folk are going to see me and, you know, hopefully I'll get additions. And it, it didn't quite go as quickly as that. And so I was a bit back at square one. And then we bumped into each other at a cabaret and uh, she was singing and I was sitting. Both of us went down to London. She's slightly, slightly older than me. She'll love me saying that. <laughs> And uh, we must have missed each other, like, London-wise, because a lot of the Scottish ones that went down to London all kind of hung about, because, I don't know, you just congregate to what you know, I suppose. I think it's a homesick thing, and yeah. you want patter, and you want words, and you want... They just feel like really... My still game does so well abroad and everything, because everybody just wants yeah. to hear it. and You do, it's like a big cuddle for your mammy. And so... She would just blethering and she knew people that I knew and blah, blah, blah. And then I was singing at the weekends, um, just in pubs, like literally hosting karaoke's or whatever, a lot of shite. And uh, I was with this kind of agent thing and they said, oh, if you do like a speciality act, i.e. a Motown duo or a comedy act or, you know, like a tribute ABBA or something, it's like you get double the money you would get if you did it solo. So I was like... Gail, what are you doing? Do you want to do something? And we were going to do a Motown act. And then I, don't, I can't even remember exactly how it just made that leap. But we thought, well, why don't we write characters? We're essentially actors. And we could sing, but we could be like comedy characters that sing. And then I've always had a real obsession with my gran mm. and how she talks and who she is as a person. And I don't know, as an actor, you've always got that kind of stupid character you pull out in the pub or something yeah. I don't know this is so wanky shoot me in the mouth right now <laughs> but <laughs> I did I would always do an impression of my grand and I thought mm. well you know and she was like my dad's like this so we kind of born with these two characters hers was based on her dad mine was based on her grand and then we just started going to like Masonic lodges and pubs and stuff and we get booed off a couple like pretty, we were pretty bad um, now you're doing like full theatre tours and you're probably yeah. one of the most successful duos in Scotland what has it been like because I know you've done some stuff last year what was it like coming back after Covid because I know you've done a lot of stuff online and you were really kind of one of the biggest things online in Scotland during the pandemic but coming back to the theatres what's that been like? Oh it was just honestly we thought we might not sell it's post-pandemic people are frightened and you know we thought well we have to go back at some point and we thought well if we don't really sell like majorly had we done before then 
you know, at least it's, I think it's, a, you know, we wanted to give back and people, mm. some people were desperate to go out. And so we just kind of threw the, the ball at the wall, if you like, and just went, right, let's see what happens. And it went totally off. We sold more than we've ever sold. And people, there was just an energy. I'll never forget that night back at the Kings. And uh, one of the songs is called We're Back. Mm. And it was, is what a kind of, a comedy kind of parody. So it wasn't a parody. It's, we'd, we'd written it with uh, Ross Brown. And it was all about, we're back. COVID can get to fuck. This is it. We're, you know, and the, just the reception, everybody obviously must have slightly felt the same. And it was just this electric atmosphere of going, theatre felt like it was back. And, yeah. and we hadn't lost what was there before. And that was really life-affirming. <laughs> it was so with the dolls, do you like, produce that and direct it are you acting as like also the front woman and the behind woman it started off we did absolutely everything that you could you can only do that for so long before you have like a mental breakdown yeah and so we went in a um business with a producer called robert c kelly he does yeah. a lot of um commercial stuff he's got friends in musical i think on just now don't tell him i'm not good to you robert plugging your show um, so he'd kind of came on board, he'd seen us and he's like, I think we could do something together. And by that point, we'd hired the Mitchell, we'd moved into theatres, but just to the Mitchell Theatre, we hadn't done the Kings. And he was like, look, I think we could, you know, come together. And he'd obviously had a vast amount of experience in booking bigger theatres and all that. And so that collaboration was so profound because it allowed us to make that jump. Yeah. And it's 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 a, a partnership that's been really beneficial for both. Like, he just knows that world. And I think sometimes there comes a point where you can take something so far. I can only speak for everything. And then there comes a point where you go, you can't be the master of everything. You can't because you lose parts of, and, and, and yeah. things get away from you. And so when we moved to that, we then, you know, brought in more staff, um, we did have a director for the Mitchell. We did Fraser Boyle, who co-wrote the first two dolls with us. So he did uh, direct that. And then the variety one we just did, Andrew Agnew, who was PC um, Plod in Balamore. He came and directed this one. So That's just a lot of memory, man. I know, I was going to say. But for us, you go, to be in the position we are, I want to be able to employ loads of people yeah. and loads of Scottish-based people and give back like if we're in a position to give jobs i want to give folk jobs i've yeah. been you know so yeah it's it's a big operation now yeah i loved giving people jobs what i did hate though was paying them at the end of it all <laughs> you need, unfortunately, I, I wasn't a massive fan of that like see when the <laughs> money came in and i went right oh god there, there i didn't like that but yeah robert if you're listening i've got a lovely little play that i'm trying to get up off the ground we just had a sold out show at the webster's theater got five star reviews my email is in the show notes below. Please get in touch. Well, any producers, please get in touch. Because we want to go on. I didn't know you had your own show. Yeah, me and my mate wrote a play while we were in lockdown, and then towards like the tail end of lockdown, the beginning of twenty one we put on a rehearsed reading so we literally just put on facebook for a lot of people we did it on youtube people paid i think it was four quid a ticket and that paid for the theater and then we me and heather both out of like our own pocket put an entire show on and that's incredible that's what it's about that's mm. how you make changes in your life and do oh, it was things. great i loved it oh, i was so a bit good. of a diva and then we randomly got a phone call the other day off of a production company that wants to make a documentary because 
we were one of the first bar play pie in a pint. We think we might be the first original full length play that has been on in Scotland after the pandemic. That's amazing. Which I'm sort of like, how the fuck did we manage that as two idiots that know nothing about what? Because we'd learnt it all as we were Because you get off your arse and you've done something (laughs) about it and good things come from getting off your arse. They genuinely do. Yeah, no, it was was fun. Um, A question that I like to ask everyone that comes on, and it's it's one of my favourite questions ever. If someone came to you now and said, here, we're going to do a show in the West End, it's going to be a two-hander, what who do you want to be with like who do you want to be your co-star oh god that's they really have to hard. be alive is it famous or, or like anyone, anyone. So hard, oh well it would have to be julie walters well i will carry on on my like weekly tirade of Catherine tate please come on the podcast or please do a two-person show with me in the west end oh my god i'd pick her as well but you've actually threw a spanner in the works there Catherine oh. tate has been my answer since week one i have to go with my instinct with julie walters that's what i yeah. went with so I, julie I do walters. love julie walters but I have to go. I have to go with Catherine. Have you watched Hard Sell yet? No, not yet. Not yet. I think it's great. Let's, I've heard that it was terrible, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, you would. You're a big fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just love Catherine Tate. I feel like I'd let her stand on my face and I'd be like, great, great. You're amazing. I love I would you. <laughs> I would as well. And I'd love her career. Oh, no, you've totally like threw a fan <laughs> in the book for me, but I can't take your person. So no, you can, can I not. say I'll have Julie Walters? And if she gets sick, then Catherine Tate's my understanding. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can, you can borrow Catherine Tate from me. Um, yeah. So very quickly, just before this timer runs out, you were recently in a very new musical called Orphans. Um, what was that all like? It was a beast. It was absolutely massive because it's a brand new musical and it'd been a couple of years in development. I, I hadn't been at the beginning of the development. It was more so the core family, and then yeah. as we went on, and then. Um, some kind of more ensemble kind of playing loads of different stuff but I just for Scotland to try and attempt something so massive it was just it was amazing to watch and what a team they've got down there at NTS and for it Mm. to come to life you've also got a little fan club in New College Lanarkshire Sam and Cole Stewart just follow you around everywhere (laughs) well Sam has to because she's my cousin right or she'll get a Cole, uh, Cole I think's just clutching at the heels he loves my pal Darren Brownlee and Johnny and all that I think he's kind of coming uh, up behind. I think Cole wants a job. <laughs> no, he's great. Um, Don't get me wrong, I also want a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've went in front of Johnny. You've all, all done the right thing. Just I, I, I do not think Johnny is phoning me after that audition. Honestly, I don't think he'd ever rule anybody out. That's a mock. Oh, not I, I think possibly he might. Maybe with the Eki song. But <laughs> you, need to, you need to genuinely just ask him like the next time you talk to him. No, I can't like, ask him things like that. That's private. Oh, but I've now put it on the podcast. It's really not private. Literally just be like, so this kid that came in and sang the Ralph Harris song in the audition, and I, I bet you'll get a funny story out of him. Do you know what he won't say? He won't, because obviously he's a tutor, he won't. I would never, ever get Johnny it. Johnny McKnight, I, I, I give you permission. <laughs> well, maybe you will now then. Uh, well, I just think it's a funny story, and if it makes people laugh, uh, uh, who gives a fuck? You're a good sport. Yeah. Good oh, sport. no, like... I, I, I've done some stupid shit. Like, did you ever watch Two Pints Lager and a Packet of Crisps? Yeah. Do you ever remember the song that it's like, gonna find my Casanova? Yeah. I sang that in an audition once, including the line at the end. So it's like, so get your coat, your stupid slag. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I do silly things quite often. 
But yeah, um, yeah so back to orphans. How did you end up involved in all of that? Like, was it a simple audition or was it referral? Um, it was an addition. So first of all, they did a development. So which isn't an addition. They just bring people together and they're just asking actors to come in and read. They don't promise you anything. Yeah. Um, so I came in and just read different stuff, trying to pull stuff together. So this was about a year and a half before. It was mostly on Zoom because we were still in the middle of a pandemic. That was always fun. Yeah. Okay, no, and you can't really... As an actor, you go, this is crap. I can't really show what I can do. I probably They probably won't look the road I walk on. But thankfully, they came back and said, we'd love Louise to audition. So, uh-huh. I, you know, they do it properly there. They don't just offer and things like that. Although I would love to just be offered so I don't need to Same. do the work. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mind at all because I think it's fair. And if I was in other people's shoes, I'd want to audition and everybody have a fair crack at the whip. So, yeah, did the audition, they did some recalls and stuff, and then eventually it kind of just got down and down, and then I got a lovely offer to play Mrs Hansen and um, a variety of other old women. It's always been, and, it's uh, always fun. I know, I'm like, I'm 37, I'm, I'm actually raging, to be honest. Well, I'm playing, <laughs> like, obviously it's, it's different in uni and stuff, but because you've only got, like, a select few, like, people that you can pull from to put these shows on. But, like, there's only three boys in our class. And, like, instantly I got handed the old man role and I was like, great, great. I know, but sometimes you total joy. Because I was like, actually, once I started playing them, there were, like, three very different women. And older people get away with saying I get to do a lot. And there was absolute joy. And I just kind of was like, oh, my God, I was young lead seven years ago. What's happened? (laughs) But you get older and you've just got to accept it. currently expecting yeah. a child and then while I was doing my research for this it was like about you doing Scott Squad like two weeks before you had your previous baby your previous baby yeah, <laughs> yeah we done it yeah I seem to like I don't know every time I do a big job I'm totally up the dust <laughs> but I think it's that thing of going well I'm at an age where I, I'd quite like the home life as well as acting life and you go when do I do it but I've been so fortunate that a lot of companies have agreed to let me, because I feel quite fight and fit, you know. Yeah. I, I carried Danny right up. I did the dolls with Danny um, right up, and then I did Scott Squad till, like, a few days before I'm due. And then this, I go into the Scots next week. Maternity leave what? The and, no, it doesn't. But then it's self-employed. You don't get any. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was just going to ask if you've got anything, if you're planning on doing any more work right up until your due date this time. Yeah, I'm going to do the Scots. I start in <laughs> three weeks, four weeks. I start the 6th of June till we'll start filming the new series, series two. And that will take me right up to, I think, if I get a C-section, see, this is the thing with having babies. If I get a C-section, I'll be released four days before my C-section. If I don't get a C-section, then I have two weeks. <laughs> So you're wanting that two weeks? Yeah, so I'll have two weeks to leave. But then I'm yeah. off the now, but I say off. I'm trying to write and yeah. make other stuff. And it, it just isn't self-employed. It just doesn't stop. Yeah, you don't get holidays. You don't get all of that shit. Like, I remember them talking about... I don't think I could cope. It was like everybody coming back from uni and they're like, we did this over the Easter holidays. We did this. And I was like, yeah. I edited 14 episodes of a podcast and put on a play and haven't slept in six days. So... yeah. Yeah, like this is my holiday. But also, would you have it any other way? I don't know. I don't tick unless I'm working. Work is who I am. I love it. And 
Yeah. I'm fortunate enough that I've had lovely things over the road, but mm. I just, I, I couldn't sit about. I did There's push no myself to my limits in April. I didn't sleep for, I think my record was six days. That I That's was, no Yeah, no, it got to the point. But we had the show to put on. We lost a cast member 21 days before the show. She got COVID and we had to recast and replot everything. And it was just like all of the time that I spent doing all the extra stuff was the time where I was like, oh, I should be doing the sound right now. I should be doing the lights. So it comes to the night before the show and I'm sat here, my mum's in my bed because she came down from London to see the show. And yeah. I'm sat at my desk in the living room like SFXQ63, plot up. It was just horrible. And it, going back to uni was actually like my time off. Yeah. No, it is. And the thing is, you go the first time you do these things, you are, you are everybody, you do do everybody, but you learn so much. And I know it's oh, yeah. a hard way to learn, but. It was fun though. You have a new respect for crew members as well, oh, I think. Yeah. Like, I'm like that now, walking past them, like, love you, love you. Oh, they're, they're, they're more important than us, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to play a game now. And this right. is my favourite thing in the world so we were talking earlier about crazy drama school stories so it's called stage right or stage shite and it's three right. stories that have been submitted by the listeners but one has been made up by the producer so two are the truth right. the whole truth and nothing but the truth one is a big fat lie it's our job to find out which one's the lie i've got the answer in a sealed envelope that has your name on it so okay. and these are my favorite things in the world like i always tell people go if you if you don't want to listen this is like episode 85 if you don't want to listen to me talk for that fucking long, just go back and listen to the stage right and stage shite. It's like, they're fucking hilarious. So, right, okay. Number one, when I was in drama school, one boy liked to maintain that he was a complete method actor and did everything to get into the character. When he was cast as a dog in our final show, it got a bit weird. He would make his girlfriend walk him around with a collar and dog leash on and ate his lunch from uni from a dog bowl. Watching him do that made me question every life choice I'd ever made. <laughs> Number two, a director once went mental at me because they had paid £60 for a prop that had no purpose in the show and was only a visual gag that was actually quite funny and I forgot to take it on stage on opening night while all the reviewers and press were in and there was no other opportunity to get it on stage. Number three, one of the highlights of my life was seeing my mum and dad in the front row on my West End debut. One of the low points was during the same show, during one of the dance numbers, where my very small dress literally fell apart at the seams and I ended up in just my butt, ended up in just my bra and pants on the West End when I was 19. Right. I don't Funny. know. I hope the dog collar one is fake. I don't think it is, though. It's not. I, there is some moron somewhere that would do that. Uh, and I know them. Like, that's the thing. I, I know lots of these people that do this shit, but I really hope that it's fake. Um. I'm going to go stage shite is number three and stage right is one and two. Yeah. <laughs> also, do you know what? I think I'm going to go for number two. I think I'm going to go for two as fake because we don't have to be the same answer either. Um, okay. Because I just know that if, why the fuck are you spending 60 quid on a prop that has absolutely nothing to do with your show other than just a visual gag? Yeah. Okay. Let's but, see. Gonna, but you can stay with number two, uh, number three. Sorry. Yeah. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, well done. I was smothering between the two, but I thought number one is right. That is a total fandom. Oh, my God, that's true. Jesus Christ. Get a grip. Get a grip. 
I just don't, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate method acting, but in the same breath, not I getting walking, not getting walked around on a dog leash and collar and eaten from a bowl. But also, like, as, as a work mum, can you imagine me coming up the road and going like, "Listen, I'm playing a dog, so you know, just make it for yourself. You can just be fucking happy." If you were in uni and like one guy just come in one day and just started eating his food from a dog bowl, because like, I think I'd leave. <laughs> I think I'd be like, you all need medical attention. I'd just let them carry on and make a complete ashes to them. But I, actually, I'd be, I'd be encouraging them, like, good on you as a real actor. Like, I'd make them <laughs> yeah. go further. He's a good boy. Yeah, I'd make him a project, see how far I could push him before he broke. <laughs> I do need a shite, James. Come on down to me, but I'd make him sit outside and all that. Push him. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> and then oh. I'd get a real dog and I'd make him lick its balls. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see how far he was really willing to go. Yeah. Yeah, to him, Don't let me near people see this is why I should never be a teacher. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, public service announcement. Louise should not be allowed to round acting students. She will break them. She yeah, I would, I would push up to the point to your father could make them. She will make them partake in bestiality. Yeah. Right, so let's let's not do that. Yeah, let's oh. not do that. I might yeah. not go that far, but I'd push pretty, pretty far. To the person that did that, get a fucking grip. Like... <laughs> You actually need to analyse the grip that you have on reality and life because <laughs> you're a fucking weirdo. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Genuinely, it's been such a pleasure. And are you coming to see Vanity Fair at all or are you too busy? Yes, I, I just didn't know you were in Tech Week, so I'm off now at the set. So tell Samantha, Samantha tells you nothing. Right. Okay. So tell Samantha, she's to message me and... Uh, I will sort it out and come and see you. Yeah. Sounds well, I will. I will see you after a Vanity Fair then. Um, but genuinely, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so lovely chatting to you. And after I've heard all the stuff that Samantha spouts, you kind of have to be in a bit of awe. So. Oh, <laughs> don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will let you get back to normal life. Thank you so much for doing this. And good luck with your pregnancy. Good luck with all of the stuff that you've got coming up. And uh, I'll see you whenever I see you. You too, and good luck Amazing. with your stuff. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're so welcome. I'll see you soon, Ingram. Loads of love. Bye. And there we have it. Another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 85 completed. Thank you so much to Louise for coming on the podcast. And make sure to follow us both on social media, which you'll find down in the show notes below. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know. And it's free. So why bloody not? And remember, if you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. And also don't forget that you can now become an official Drama School Dropout by signing up to our Patreon using the link in the show notes below. I'll be back again next Tuesday with a brand spanking new episode. Have a great week. Stay safe. I love you. Bye.